Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And away we go. Hour number three of our radio program. It is the Zach Gelb Show, coast to coast on CBS Sports Radio. Happy Halloween to you. There is more on the Michigan front. And I could confirm, since I am dressed today as Connor Stallions, that I was not on the Central Michigan sideline. But the actual guy, I don't know if he was or wasn't. Uh, Chris Vanini says that the Athletic has obtained more photos of the goateed sunglasses person on the Central Michigan sideline at Michigan State. CMU, Central Michigan University, is looking into whether this is Connor Stallions or not. Now, last night, I saw this photo, and I was like, is that really Connor Stallions? Like, it's just a guy with a goatee, a Central Michigan hat, and sunglasses. And I saw someone said that it was a coach on their staff. So I just thought it was one of those things where it was something being made of something that was really a whole lot of nothing. But the fact that Central Michigan is now looking into whether that was Connor Stallions or not, and to be fair, even though I'm dressed up like him, I don't know much about him. A Marine you know, had some association, obviously, with the Michigan program, still does. And he got close enough to Harbaugh where he's standing right next to him and he's employed by Michigan. Like, we all know that. But just because he's on the sideline for Central Michigan when they're going up against Michigan State, I don't know. That doesn't look good, clearly, if it is him. But... I don't really know what else to say on this matter, but it this does make out to be a really fun story because a lot of times in college football, when you have off-the-field stories, and I know this is technically a mixture of both, but a lot of times it's like nasty, serious details and a lot of details where you almost want to like look the other way and just go, I can't believe that something like that happened and you feel ill. Like you go back to... In the, in the last, what, 15 years, two really ugly things that happened, and there's a ton. You know, when you talk about what transpired at Michigan State on multiple occasions, when you look back at Jerry Sandusky at Penn State, which still makes me sick to my stomach to this day, Urban Meyer handling or the mishandling of the Zach Smith situation, like we're talking about serious issues where I know our listening audience are serious sports fans. But there's sports, and then there's real life. And in real life, what transpired at Penn State, what transpired at Michigan State, what transpired at Ohio State are serious things where we're talking about the health and safety 
of women and children. So when you get a story like this, where like when you're talking about Michigan State, you're talking about Penn State or Ohio State, there's no winners in that story. There's no fun to be had in that story in any of those stories. But this one, it could be a fun story, right? The integrity of the game is called into question. And then you get this guy, Connor Stallions, and you're like, hmm, this is a very intriguing person when you have like some dope like me on a radio show today dressed up as him for Halloween. But a Marine that had this plan and your sign stealing, then how effective is it? You get a lot of coaches like Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, Matt Rule as well, saying sign stealing has been going on for years. But this is different because of a camera being used, going to games. And if this is him on the Central Michigan sideline, dressed in Central Michigan gear, and I guess scouting Michigan State, that takes it to a whole different level. So I don't know all the facts here. I don't know what's true and false. You see a lot of fake things on the internet anyway these days. But there's more and more that will come out of this because I do think this is a fun story to dig on. And this is a fun story to explore because at the end of the day, we're just talking about football, not serious life issues when you're talking about the health and safety of children and the health and safety of women, like unfortunately what we've had to talk about in the past with college football. So this is a big story. We know that. Ultimately, as you see, I'm dressed up as Connor Stallions today. I do kind of roll my eyes and laugh at a lot of this stuff because, you know, Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports, he went to the Wisconsin game this weekend with Wisconsin going up against Ohio State. And he was sitting there in the stands and he was recording the the signs and making a mockery of it of the opposing sidelines. And I still don't think this is a major advantage. Now, you can say objectively, then why do it if it's not a major advantage? That's fair. Maybe it's a slight advantage, but I don't think this is a major advantage. And especially now, when you have 100,000 people in a stadium and everyone has a cell phone, you know, I get it. I could go to a game and I could record and it's no big deal. But when a coach goes to an opposing team and buys tickets and then uses technology, that becomes a big deal. I also find it funny. And, you know, I thought Matt Rule made a good point that there's rules that are in place. And then when people break rules, we go, oh, so what? It's really not a big deal. This rule's in place why you can't go and scout another team and record their signs because a lot of other programs weren't able to afford for those scouts. But now with how rich college football is, that rule's still in place. It doesn't make sense. And I said this from the start. If more comes out and Michigan did something wrong, which it looks like they did something wrong, they deserve some punitive action. My reaction just isn't, let's throw the book at them. And I don't think this is something where you need to basically like tear down the program and not make them ball eligible for four years. I, I, I just don't agree with that. But there needs to be some punitive action when we get all the facts from this situation. But with that being said, I did find the irony of why that rule's in place. And then remember... I come from a smaller school in the college athletics landscape, and it's like, well, Temple doesn't have all these advantages that like a Michigan has or Ohio State has and some of these other school has to operate their football program. But I don't think it means that like you shouldn't be able to go scout your opponent. And there's a difference in terms of the players that Temple could attract, especially in the era of NIL, 
and not one former Temple football player has donated to their collective compared to what the resources like Ohio State and a Michigan has. So I still, I don't want to say this is a whole lot of nothing because there is something there, but I don't think this is to the level of, oh, we need to vacate all the wins, which is such a stupid thing to do. And while we're at it, give Reggie Bush back his Heisman Trophy, please. But that's another topic for another day. And I, you know, you could suspend Harbaugh next season for a few games. I get that. But outside of that, if we're talking about a reduction of scholarships, okay. But when you get into bowl bans or you get into not being able to participate in the postseason, I just think a lot of that stuff uh, is stupid and is an overreaction. Because once again, even though this is getting treated as if it's like the biggest deal in the world, I think a lot of these infractions are misdemeanors. And there's a lot of times that people commit crimes and people do things wrong. And there are different punishments depending on the crime. Once again, even though there's several layers of this with what we know right now, I don't think this is throw the book at Michigan. But with how outraged people are, and there's a big public reaction, because remember, it's a Big Ten school, big brand in Michigan. You have Penn State fans that hate Michigan fans' guts. You have Ohio State fans that hate Michigan fans' guts. There's going to be more and more that comes out of this. Because, like, for example, if I was on the Penn State beat, I'd be digging. Because it's only going to increase your brand. If I'm on the Ohio State beat, I'd be digging because it only increase your brand. Because that's what your fans want to see. They want to see more of Michigan crumble here. But ultimately, everyone's watching. Everyone now knows and is monitoring Michigan. And the signs change all the time. And once again, I'm not saying Michigan did no wrong here. They did something wrong. But coming up on November 11th, Michigan goes to Happy Valley. It's better for college football if this stuff came out. Especially with the way that Penn State's offense looks. Now, defensively, they're really great. But offensively, I think you could give... a. You know, you, you could you could tell uh, Penn State what, what defense you're going to run and all the plays that you're going to run. It won't matter. Penn State, uh, they, they couldn't coach their way out of a paper bag right now on the offensive side of the ball. And then ultimately, as long as Ohio State's still undefeated, which they will be, this just provides more and more ammunition and more and more hype for the game. And that is Thanksgiving weekend, Ohio State and Michigan. But this is wild. If that's true... That my guy, Connor Stallings, who I'm dressed up as, if he was on the Central Michigan sideline, if that's right, for a game up against Michigan State, uh, how'd you get there? But why are you there? I don't know if he, if he had some involvement in the past with Central Michigan, and that's something, because there's still a lot of unknown about what we know with Connor Stallings. But it's clear when Central Michigan is looking into whether this is Connor Stallings or not, if he was associated with any capacity Central Michigan or if you knew it wasn't him, you wouldn't just be looking into it. So Central Michigan has their antenna up on this one. Santa, it feels like each and every day there's a more fascinating story or a fascinating element to this story that ends up coming on out. But this one, this is bonkers. Because To be fair, last night when I saw this, I'm like, ah, is that really him? It's just a guy in a goatee and a, and a guy wearing a baseball cap. And now Central Michigan is further looking into the matter. I honestly think that the details of the story and the, uh, I don't know, sordid nature of the story is more compelling than the actual cheating and the advantages gained itself. Like, going to the games and getting the signs, that's one thing. 
the details, going and yeah. getting sideline tickets, pretending to be uh, Central well, Michigan. Marine. The fact that he's TCU, well calculated. Yeah, the fact that TCU knew about it, and then they had two fake. You know, they had two different calls, one mm-hmm. that was fake, one that was real, and that way uh, they can throw Michigan off, and maybe that's why Michigan lost to TCU because they were running the wrong defenses on the wrong place. Every day there's something new. Jim Harbaugh having the extension potentially rescinded. Harbaugh being, you know... Um, and then there's a report today that maybe that report was untrue. Like, if I'm Michigan, I'm standing by my guy here. I'm saying, bleep the NCAA. We want Harbaugh to say... Uh, stay. This is a witch hunt. Like I would be playing all those cards. I know Michigan can't really say much right now, and it probably doesn't behoove them to say much. But I remember when Deflategate happened. Robert Kraft landed at the Super Bowl, and he goes, "I want the NFL when they're proven to be wrong to apologize to Tom Brady, to Bill Belichick, and to my organization, and we're putting this behind us." Like he showed leadership there. Now, usually with these football programs, the head coach is the CEO. We talked about it yesterday. And he said what he had to say, and he said he couldn't really comment more on that. But, like, the president or the athletic director, like, you can make a big sign right here and stand with Harbaugh and give him that new extension. And if I'm Harbaugh, like, you get that extension or you get offered that, then you got to show your loyalty to Michigan not even contemplate the NFL moving forward. So this is a fun story is what I'm getting at. Like, ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't think there's any, like, losers or, like, serious life issues that did go on here. But this guy, Connor Stallings, there's got to be, like, a feature done. Like, I got to know more about him because was he operating a little rogue at first and then Harbaugh got in on it? Like, Harbaugh had to know about this. But more and more as this goes on, I just wonder, when do people get fatigue from this? Like, if Michigan goes up against Penn State, and Michigan beats the snot out of them by 30 points. Are people really going to care about this story? Sure, it'll pop back up. Ohio State will pop back up when Michigan's in the Big Ten championship game and uh, in the semifinals. But it's like one of those stories, when does the the national viewer, the, the national public, when do we start to get fatigue with this? And I don't think the fatigue is there yet just because of this new development here where it was Connor Stallings on the uh, sideline up against Central Michigan. So, it is fascinating. It 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 uh it definitely is fascinating with everything that's going on right now. Now, for Penn State and Ohio State. Like Ohio State, we know that that's such a big game for them. But for Penn State, it's like we know that you're just stuck on being a good team, not a great team. Imagine how much trash talk in Penn State's going to do if they beat Michigan. And then you kind of try to take away from the success the last two years for Michigan or the other way, Ohio State. Like, Ohio State wins this time. Oh, boy, that's not going to be a good look for Michigan. So, in a weird way, Sam, let me ask you this. Does this put more pressure on Michigan? Like, you go into this season. We all know you're one of the best teams in the country. You're expected to win the Big Ten. You're expected to go to the college football playoff and bare minimum get to a national championship. But now everyone's calling your success into question the last two years with these allegations. The Penn State and Ohio State games are already big. They're only two games on the schedule, but now they're even bigger. And I do wonder how Michigan handles that. When we had Roman Wilson on last week when all this stuff was breaking, it didn't seem like they were phased by it, but it's one thing to say one thing in an interview, and then when it just goes on and on and on and on, you have to keep on answering questions about it. I do wonder if the pressure gets to Michigan at all this season. 
I mean, I'm less concerned about whether the pressure gets to them as much as how do they perform now that they can't steal signs. That's going to be interesting. But I think the combination of the two, it can't, it can't help. It's not going to make it any easier for them to win the Big Ten or the National Championship. So I think if they lose and they don't win it all, then we're always going to question how how good Jim Harbaugh really is. And if they do win it, then maybe there's something else going on. But, I mean, it, it, it raises questions, and I, and I think the pressure, sure, could be a part of it. But I'm less concerned about that as I am about the rest of the stuff. And look at what has happened in recent history. People called the Patriots cheaters. Patriots kept on winning. A lot of that stuff did go away. The Astros called cheaters. Then the Astros just won another World Series. Now it's like, all right, the whole scandal, all right, whatever. It it happened, and they were still able to win after that. Michigan, they've won Big Ten championships. They beat Ohio State twice the last two years. But in the college football playoff, they got smacked by Georgia, and then they lost to a TCU team that on paper they were better than. And you bring up how how, um, Sonny Dykes and TCU knew. The other thing, too, it just reminded me something. The great late... Mike Leach, have you ever seen that classic story when he was at Oklahoma, a part of the Red River Showdown, and they wanted to? They were wondering how honest the other team was going to be. So when he was the OC there before the game, he put a fake play sheet. So whatever they would run, let's say, to the right, he set it up to the left and, and vice versa. So it was a decoy, and he gave it to a tight end, and on the warm-ups before the game, he told the tight end, Pretend you're putting it in your pocket or in your belt buckle and have it fall on the ground. And one of the staffers on the other team saw it and they handed it right over to the coaching staff. And one of the plays early, they were all in position thinking the play was going to the left or whatever it was. And the play goes to the right and it ends up being a touchdown when Mike Leach was the, uh, the offensive coordinator. So that stuff does go on and there's ways to prevent it. But ultimately... Going back to to your question about the whole sign stealing and you know how effective is it for Michigan? Like it has to help in some capacity. I'm not ruling that out, but these signs change all the time too. Like signs change each and every week, so I don't even know the signs that they were stealing if they were even used for their advantage. And there's been some videos that suggest that they were, and I'm sure there's some videos to uh, suggest that they weren't. Ultimately, go win. Uh, They should beat Penn State. They're a better team than Penn State. And Michigan should beat Ohio State because I think they're a better team than Ohio State as well, especially with Kyle McCord at quarterback for Ohio State. I can't trust him. Now, Maserati Marr, I I do like him. He's good. But how many times do we have to hear Gus Johnson call Maserati Marv two weeks ago up against Penn State? And I'll give Ohio State credit. Their defense is much better than the defense that it was the last two years. That's the one thing that has impressed me. We all knew Maserati Marv was the best non-quarterback in the sport. But defensively, those were major questions were. And now, right, you have the defense on the same page and the defense is firing, but then the offense is struggling. Kind of reminds you like the Steelers the last 10 years. Like whenever the Steelers' offense was good, the defense stunk. And now the defense is good and the offense stunks. It stinks. So that's what it kind of feels like is going on with Ohio State. Whenever the offense is firing, defense is a problem. Now the defense is firing, the offense is a problem. So we'll take a break here on the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, We'll come on back. We'll do a little overreaction, proper reaction. We still got to get to our top five candy items with it being Halloween. James Harden got dealt as well, and we'll react to the future of Kyler Murray out in the desert with the Arizona Cardinals. But we'll come on back with a little overreaction, proper reaction.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All righty, this is Zach Gelb show on CBS Sports Radio. Let's get to a little overreaction, proper reaction right now. Another NFL week is complete, which means it's another week to freak out about your favorite team. Which takes are truly crazy. But sometimes a game can be so bad, it's almost good. You know what I'm saying? No. And which are so crazy, they might be right. He's 6'5", he's 245 pounds. He's probably a Popeye's biscuit away from being a tight end. Zach lets you know in this week's edition of Overreaction or Proper Reaction. All right, Santa, what do you got for me? Okay, so here we go. No, uh, you, you can't do this segment in the uh, Mickey Mouse voice the entire time. <laughs> my, my ears would be, be checked out. I mean, I can. I won't. But I could. I it wouldn't won't. be good. No, it would not be good. Uh, as we discussed briefly yesterday, Tyreek Hill became the I do first- appreciate, though, the commitment to the bit. I don't know what you're talking about. It's not a bit. Mickey Mouse was actually sitting in his chair. He just walked out of the room. Gotcha. Uh, Tyreek Hill became the first player with over 1,000 yards receiving through his first eight games and is currently on pace for over 2,100 yards. And as we know, Tyreek Hill guaranteed that he would get over 2,000. So overreaction, proper reaction, Tyreek Hill will go down as a top five receiver all time. Oh, man. I got to go overreaction, but it's close. It's close. It's close. Just for starters, right off the... The, the tip of the tongue, Jerry Rice, clearly. Terrell Owens, clearly. Randy Moss, clearly. I, I'm i not ready to go top five receiver of all time. Like, right now, there's questions if he's the best receiver in the NFL going into the season. Through the first eight weeks, yeah. He has displayed that he is the best wide receiver in the NFL. Devontae Adams and Jimmy Garoppolo have no connection. That was one that was up there for consideration. Justin Jefferson has been hurt. Let's pump the brakes, though, on top five receiver of of all time. Now, he wins a Super Bowl with Miami. That's a different conversation. It turns into something else because then he's done it in two places and did it without Patrick Mahomes. He's phenomenal. 
He's one of the more lethal players in the NFL, but I'm not ready to go top five all time just yet. All right, now my former favorite team, the Jets, improved to four and three despite one of the ugliest games you'll ever see that saw a combined 24 punts. Zach Wilson was obviously awful all game long until the final drive in OT where he actually stepped up and made a couple clutch plays. So overreaction, proper reaction, the Jets are a playoff threat. What do you mean by a playoff threat? A threat to not only make the playoffs, but be a tough out. I think that's an overreaction. The Jets can make the playoffs. The Jets have a really good defense. But when you're walking into a playoff game, potentially with Zach Wilson, uh, I don't think that's going to concern anybody. But I will make one caveat here. If Aaron Rodgers is back, yeah, then they are a playoff threat. And Joe Douglas just had his press conference. We'll talk more about this tomorrow, his post-trade deadline press conference. And according to Ian Rappaport, Joe Douglas stating something we now have assumed to be coming but wouldn't have assumed a while two months ago. Joe Douglas said, quote, we're expecting Aaron to be back, close quotes. I'll be back. So let's see if Rodgers actually gets on the field. But it was impressive last week how he's dropping back that quickly removed from the Achilles. Did he mean this year or just as a jet at some point. I'm assuming that means we're expecting Aaron to be back for for this season. That's the way that I would take it. He's under contract. He's going to be back next year. And I've already said I think he wins comeback player of the year next year in the NFL. But anyway, let's get to the next question. In his NFL debut, rookie quarterback Will Levis lit it up, throwing for four touchdown passes, three of which were over 30 yards, and three of which went to DeAndre Hopkins. Outside of those three long scoring strikes, however, Levis had only 97 yards passing on 26 attempts the rest of the way. So overreaction, proper reaction, Will Levis will be a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback in the NFL. That's an overreaction. Now, with that being said, I was really impressed with what I did get to see from Will Levis this past weekend. Had the three passing touchdowns to DeAndre Hopkins. Also hit Nick Westbrook-Akina as well for a long score. So he played really, really well. I just don't know what Tennessee's going to be moving into the future. Now, is Derrick Henry back next year? Uh, Does DeAndre Hopkins uh, get dealt? I know that was a two-year deal. That team is just not all there. And there's still questions if Will Levis is going to play this weekend. They may be going back to Ryan Tannehill. That would be a dumb decision by Mike Vrabel. you got to give Will Levis the rest of the season. I'm just not ready to say Pro Bowl quarterback. He looked like a Pro Bowl quarterback after one game, but I'm not ready to go there over a full season. Now, in the Cowboys blowout win over the Rams. Well, Dak- actually, real quickly. Oh. Doesn't take much to make the Pro Bowl now. Yeah. Who, I mean, like, quarterbacks make it every year. Tyler Huntley made it last year. Mac Jones has made a Pro Bowl because about eight or nine say no. So, you know what? Rewind. Proper reaction. Because about <laughs> 17 quarterbacks will say no and Will Levis will get in. Hey, Derek Carr, you want to go to the Pro Bowl? I got asked. Really? Oh, yeah, I don't feel like doing it. Oh, um... You know, Lamar Jackson, you're a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. Do you want to go? Ah, no, I don't feel like it. All right, Deshaun Watson, you play like crap now. You you want to go to Pro Bowl? Yeah, sure. Why? Like, Ryan Tannehill. Like, what are we doing, some of these quarterbacks? Maybe Jimmy G can actually make it, and Zach Wilson will be his backup. <laughs> Imagine if Zach Wilson made a Pro Bowl. Let's not even talk How about that. How many quarterbacks have to say no for Zach Wilson to make the Pro Bowl? There's 32 teams, so 39. <laughs> Backup quarterbacks as well. And, and the Cowboys blowout win over the Rams. Dak threw for over 300 yards and four touchdowns. And C.D. Lamb finally got in the action with 158 yards and two scores. So after what we just saw this weekend, overreaction, proper reaction, the Cowboys are Super Bowl contenders in the NFC. 
That's an overreaction. Man, I'm really wow. negative today. Interesting. That's an overreaction just because one game against a eh, Rams team is supposed to change my opinion where I've been set in one direction by saying this is a good team, not a great team. And this is a team when they go up against better competition, they fail. Like, look at the 49ers. The 49ers, they destroyed them 42 to 10. I don't think the Cowboys are that bad as the way that they played that day. But to go win or to go get to a Super Bowl, because they're not going to be the one seed, they're going to have to win three playoff games in a row. I don't trust Dak Prescott to win three playoff games in a row. Defense phenomenal. The CeeDee Lamb was great, and he is a great wide receiver. But Dak is too up and down for me when it matters the most for me to think he's winning three playoff games this year. All right, the Green Bay Packers lost their fourth straight, and Jordan Love has struggled during that stretch with just four touchdowns and seven picks and being set 11 times in those four games. So overreaction, proper reaction, Jordan Love is not a franchise quarterback. It's early, but right now I'll say proper reaction. Now, at the end of the year, i got to have at least five moments that say to me he's a franchise quarterback. Maybe he's provided one this year, and that was at the home opener, being down 17-0 in the fourth quarter and leading a comeback. He had a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown right end zone to uh, Romeo Dobbs, who made a great catch. But Matt LaFleur also looks like he's a fraudulent coach as well as a head coach in this league. So that combination, yeah, I don't think it's go, Pack, go. I think it's more like, oh, no, these days. So I will say proper reaction when you say Jordan Love isn't a franchise quarterback. Now, the Jags won again, but it wasn't pretty as they took out the Steelers and Mitch Trubisky 20 to 10. I like to call Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, I know all about that guy. Uh, in Pittsburgh, Jacksonville is now 6-2 and two and tied with the Chiefs, Dolphins, and Ravens for the best record in the AFC, though they sit third right now based on tiebreakers. Yeah. So overreaction, proper reaction. The Jags are a top four team in the AFC. Yeah, that's a proper reaction. And the way the Jaguar schedule is, it wouldn't shock me they're the one seed or the two seed? Not crazy to say. So hold on. Top four teams. We're talking about Chiefs, Dolphins, Ravens, Bengals, Jaguars, Bills. You think that the Jags are in that mix in top four? Yeah, I said that before the season started. Better, I, but the season is, is being played out. The Jags better than the the Bengals right now? Better record, yes. But Today? Better, today. Yes, they are. Now, in terms of... A quest to the Super Bowl? No. Just head-to-head right now. They played right now. Bengals and Jaguars. Yeah, I take the Bengals right now. Okay. Ravens. Uh, Yeah, I slightly go Ravens. Chiefs? They played earlier, yeah, sure. Okay, and then got the Dolphins. I think that's a good game. I think it's a close game. Okay. I I think it's – what I'm saying is – They could be top four, but I'm wondering if you think they are top four. At the end of the year, do I think the Jaguars are a top four team in the AFC? Yes. Like right now, the Jaguars are six and two. They're six and two. Here's their schedule the rest of the way. By week, they play San Francisco, tough game. They play Tennessee, they play Houston. Those are two wins easily. They play Cincinnati, tough game. They play Cleveland, that's a win. They play Baltimore, tough game. They finish the year Tampa Bay, Carolina, Tennessee. So they should beat Tampa Bay, they should beat Carolina, they should beat Tennessee. Now, you're not going to win necessarily all the games that are gimmies, but if they do, which would be Tennessee, Houston, and Cleveland, and Tampa, and Carolina, Tennessee, that puts them at 12 wins already. 12 wins right there before you even get to some of these tough games. Even if you drop a game or two, that gets them to 10, 
and maybe they win a game or two of those tougher games that we talk about. Like, there's not a game on their schedule. Here's what I'll say with the Jaguars. There's not a game on their schedule they can't win. They're not going to win them all, but there's not a game on their schedule that you look and you say, oh, you can't win. So, yeah, I think they're a top-four team uh, in the AFC. All right, now a team that we thought may have been a top-four team at some point, they certainly don't look like it. The Chargers, they snapped a two-game losing streak, smashing the Bears 30-13, to now 3-4 and four in the season. Brandon Staley is 22-19 and 19 as a head coach and has finished over 500 in each of his first two years and hopefully maybe finishing above 500 again this year. Uh, he's been on the hot seat, but overreaction, proper reaction, Brandon Staley, Staley can still save his job in L.A. That's an overreaction. The only way that guy is back next year is because the Spanos family is just the definition of cheap. They're, they have too much talent where we have to talk about him just being on the hot seat means that they're not playing to the level that they are, and they need to play a whole lot better. And that defense continues to move in the wrong direction, and he's a defensive-minded coach. And you start to hear players turning on the coach. They got to go get a big-time football coach this offseason because they have too many talents to be one of those teams that are teetering on, all right, they're probably going to miss the playoffs, but maybe they end up making the playoffs. All right, that's a special edition of overreaction, proper reaction. Hey, real quickly, uh, let me ask you an overreaction, proper reaction question, Samter. Kind of liking wearing sunglasses here in the studio. Now, I know there are some radio shows around the country where the hosts wear sunglasses. Sometimes that may come off as a little douchey, if I may say so myself. But overreaction, proper reaction, do I fit sunglasses into my wardrobe once a week right here on CBS Sports Radio? Yeah, overreaction. No way. Okay. Yeah, no. Stu? I mean, no. If you're like walking around outside, sure, you look great. I'm saying on the air. No. In the studio. Absolutely not. Indoor sunglasses are an absolute no in my book. Let's go to a man with style. Stu. Yeah, I'm not feeling. I I I like it as a costume, but I don't think it's an every day or you know once a week, once a month type of thing. Yeah, the reason I like it is because you have no clue where my eyes are wandering, so you have no clue where I'm looking <laughs> right now. Like I I could be appearing to be paying attention to Samter because my head is facing his direction, but my eyes could be in a totally different direction. Ack, I know Ack is like really the godfather here at CBS Sports Radio. His word goes, and I think he's really more traditional. So I'm going to assume that Axe says no to the sunglasses, but what would be your ruling? You'd be wrong. You think I could wear sunglasses? Yes. In studio? Yes. Why? Why not? Give you a little cachet. Look at that. And as, and as you said, you didn't, nobody knows where your eyes are going. That's true. I think it makes like people wondering what's really going on with Zach Gill. Exactly. All righty. Provides gonna, a little air of mystery. I'm going to look at Stu, but I'm really looking at Ack right now in that blue sweater that he has on. How are you it's looking at Ack? You're looking at the exact opposite direction. I understand you're wearing sunglasses and we can't see, but you don't have eyes in the back of your head, do you? You never know. My eyes are wandering. I really have to stretch them out to the left, but they're they're getting there to see to see Ack's uh, blue uh, sweater vest right now. And what are those? Oh, khaki pants? Khaki yeah, not, pants? That's no vest. That's just a straight sweater. All right. Sweater. Maybe, maybe sweater, you shouldn't vest, be wearing sunglasses. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> Listen, if you on. really are Connor Stallion stealing signs, you're obviously not doing a very good job. No wonder Michigan hasn't won a national championship. Well, sometimes you get the signs wrong. See, it's really not that effective. Just letting you know. All right. Sunglasses and binoculars are an odd combination. <laughs> you know what's funny? I took the binoculars out first, and I go, oh, I can't see anything. It's really dark in here. Maybe I take off the sunglasses. There were caps on the binocular lenses. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 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 And I go, oh, I got to take the uh, the cap off the lenses. So, there you go. See? Sometimes we're really stupid here at CBS Sports Radio. We'll take a break. We'll come on back. 
We will talk a little Kyler Murray. We'll get to the top five candy items as well. And also, James Harden finally has a new destination while he'll continue to fail when it matters the most and go to a bunch of strip clubs. We'll get to that when we return. Here's the latest CBS Sports Radio update with the act man, Rich Ackerman. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, and we continue. This is Zach Gelb show on CBS Sports Radio. I'm trying to spy right now on Stu's sheet to try to see what kind of candies he likes as we're going to do our top five Halloween candies right now. I'm dressed up as Connor Stallions, the great scout of the Michigan program. He's a Marine. Thank him for his service, by the way. But I'll start with Coach Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel, a.k.a. Stuart Kovacs, what do you got as your top five Halloween candy items? All right, so we have, uh, we want to go five to one or one to five? Go five to one. Do a little build up. Five being the worst, one being the best. So number five, five, I'll go Skittles. Okay. Uh, I like Skittles. Nice, nice, sweet taste. Uh, Number four, Kit Kat. Give me a break. Give me a break. (laughs) Give me a break of that Kit Kat bar. All righty. Number three, Sour Patch Kids. Okay, so you like the like gummies? Like the sour, too. Yeah, like the I, gummies, yes. I kind of laughed when uh, Dan Landing earlier was like, yeah, I like the gummies. And I'm like, oh, Coach, you may not want to say that in the year of 2023. Coach uh, Coach McDaniel definitely likes the uh, gummies. Um, oh, it's accepted, too. You remember Mike McDaniel was on the sideline uh, with that vape pen last year during the playoffs. <laughs> he definitely is a gummy guy, McDaniel. Uh, two, I'll go Reese's. Yep. And, one? Cups, and number one is Twix. That's a solid list. I actually had a Twix bar during the break. There was some Halloween candy left over from the Halloween soiree that they had here oh. today. And there's some alcohol and so they're having a real party out there. And I saw a Twix bar. I go, I could go for a Twix bar. Santa, I know you have a sweet tooth. What do you got, Mickey Mouse? So I got like Where's the voice? Well, I mean, Mickey Mouse doesn't eat sweets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here we go. No, I can't do it anymore. Go to the dentist, kids. Yeah, seriously. Uh, so I'll I got a, a I got a you. solid top four, and Stu's got three of my top four anyway. Mm-hmm. But number five, I couldn't figure it out. I was I was going between like a Tootsie Roll, Crackle, which is great. It comes with like the Crackle, Mr. Goodbar. Dalvin Cook likes a good Tootsie Roll. He told us earlier. Yeah, and, and Crackle, you don't see anywhere else except those like Halloween mixed combo bags. So it's like it's only one time a year that you really get the Crackle. Crunch Bar is always a good one. But I'm going to go with like one that people don't seem to like, but I absolutely love. Almond Joy is my number five. A little bit of coconut, a little bit of almond, a little bit of chocolate. Wow. You can't go wrong. So that's my number five. Starburst, number four, right? It's great when you get the whole roll of the Starburst, but you get like four or five little loose Starbursts with the wrappers still on it. There's nothing better. You can just kind of pop those in while you're walking around. Mm -hmm. And then my top three is just a top three go-to. Stu mentioned them. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Got to be the dark chocolate kind, though. That's the best. You're not already at five? I've already done Five, four. I'm on three now. Oh, wow. I, I thought you listed like two or three candies right off the, the gate. I'm so confused on your list. Five was what? Five was Almond Joy. Okay. Four was then Starburst. Starburst. Okay. Three? Three, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, the dark chocolate kind. Ooh. Two, Kit Kat, number one, Twix. All righty. Number five. This one was not named. Cookie and Cream Hershey Bar. I like a Cookie and Cream Cur- uh, Hershey Bar. Absolutely delicious. Number four, M&M's. 
Classic. How can you not go M&M's? Now, you may say, what type of M&M's? Doesn't matter. Regular M&M's, milk chocolate, peanut butter M&M's, um, you know, what, whatever M&M you want, I'm all in. Number three, Twix. Love me a good Twix bar. Two, Kit Kat. And then number one, the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. So I am all uh, chocolate items here when we get into my top five candies. Now, are you a pro or con candy corn person? Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm a pro candy corn person. Neutral. Neutral candy no, corn. No, no. I'd be more against okay. it than, than pro. I, I don't look for candy corn. I've had it before. I'm like, eh. I, I don't really get what the, the hype is. I understand more people that think it stinks and it's rubbish rather than it actually being good. Are you a pro candy corn person? I am. I like it. I, I enjoy it for the, you know, yeah. two or three weeks out of the year, and then it goes away. Well, Mike McDaniel is a weird guy, so it does kind of fit your personality. I'm going to guess... Samter, I don't know. I feel like you're a contrarian. You like candy corn? No, thank you. Like, every now and again, I'll have a candy corn just because, like, all right, whatever. It's not the worst thing in the world. I'm not, like, as anti-candy corn as others seem to be out there. But, yeah, they're gross. It's just eating, you know, weird-flavored wax. What did you? A weird flavor what? Wax. Wax. It's like waxy. It, just, oh. it tastes like you're eating wax. My mind went in a different direction there. <laughs> <laughs> my, my mind went right into the gutter. Uh, we got I said wax. W-A-X. How could your mind go into the gutter, you uh, dirty, was, disgusting human being? There were two things today that you said that I was like, what did you just say? But anyway, uh, John U. Bacon, who we had on last week, he has a report regarding Michigan and their coach, Jim Harbaugh. This is uh, breaking news. University of Michigan president and AD and the regents, the board of regents, are currently working to finalize Harbaugh's contract, which will make him the highest paid coach in the Big Ten. And uh, John's been saying that he's been talking about this report since October 9th, but it looks like they are uh, trying to finalize a deal here. So take it for what it's worth. Uh, John U. Bacon had exclusive access to the Michigan program, the Michigan football program. And here we are. So right now it says, and this is from today, a few minutes ago, that they are currently working to finalize Harbaugh's uh, contract uh, deal here. Here's my question. Mm -hmm. Do you or do you not believe that Michigan should wait to see how the team performs without stealing signs before giving Harbaugh a massive contract extension? Because the guy's a good coach. The, The guy got Michigan back to a serviceable spot, and he just wasn't able to beat Ohio State. So I would still want him, and I still don't think that it has as great of an impact as you do with the sign-stealing scandal. Alrighty, just real quickly, and I would show loyalty to my coach to prevent him from leaving to the NFL because then you got to go find a new coach, and it's like, all right, who's going to be better than what Harbaugh is? Uh, that's going to be real uh, realistic out there. James Harden gets traded overnight to the Los Angeles Clippers. We were talking about this yesterday. I'm surprised the Sixers got back as much as they did in terms of the picks for James Harden because there's really only the Clippers that are negotiating up against the Sixers to try to go get him. Ultimately, this is going to be disaster in Los Angeles. James Harden is going to be someone that will play well in the regular season. will give some other guys some nights off when they're trying to load manage with Paul George and also uh, Kawhi Leonard as well coming off the injury. But James Harden's going to do what James Harden always does. The postseason, he'll have like one or two good games, then he'll be irrelevant, and he'll be more focused on the strip club scene rather than the basketball court. And finally, Kyler Murray, not going to play this week, is expected to come back, though, the week after that for the Cardinals' next game. It's going to be fascinating to see how we're talking about Kyler Murray at the end of the year. If he plays well, can move him out of that number one pick spot. But if he doesn't play well, he'll probably be somewhere else this time next year. It all depends where the Cardinals go in the draft 
when it comes down to what's going to be the future of Kyler Murray because where that draft pick is will determine if they take a Drake May or a Caleb Williams or a Michael Penix Jr., whoever it is. Stu, great job. Samter, great job. Big thanks to each and every one of you. like to thank Dan Lanning and Dalvin Cook for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. We out. Bye-bye. Peace. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.